Welcome to Rainer's Radio, practical training for joint heirs with Christ, with your host, Diane Thomas. Good evening, and welcome to Rainer's Radio. This is Diane Thomas, your host, and let's just take a couple moments and relax. Whatever else is going on in the issues or questions or anything that's causing you any distraction. Just let it fall away. And that's something we are always practicing is how to simply detach and let things fall away. We don't have to push them away. We don't have to make a real effort, but we instead turn our awareness to the presence of God that is always there. He is always right next to you. Spiritually speaking, you are one with him. So you don't need to look for him. He's already in you and with you and around you. If you're in your car, you can think of him as sitting in the seat next to you. If you're at home, he's He's right in the same room with you. Our challenge is our awareness. We've gotten so used to thinking we need to find a way to get to him. We need to get his attention. We need to satisfy qualifications in order for him to hear us. We need to get a prayer chain going. You know, so many people have to be in agreement. Not anymore. You, whoever you are, if you've been born again, you are a son of God. You've been rebirthed by spirit. Spirit begets spirit. You are one with him. You are a co-inheritor with the son of God. Everything that Jesus has inherited, you've inherited You have the same relationship with the Father that the Son has. You are in the Son. You are not a different family. You've not been adopted. You are in the family. You are a son, a true-born son. doesn't matter what gender you are, what age, even what your beliefs are. If you've been born again, you are a son of God. You are in the kingdom, and you have eternal life. So why do we have these struggles? All this comes back to our soul. Now, if God wanted to, he could fix our soul like that. Just a thought on his behalf, and we would all be complete and perfected in an entire spirit, soul, and body. So there's something about the process that is valuable to God's purpose. We always get caught up in determining what our purpose is. Well, let's think about what God's purpose is. God's purpose is for you to become whole, spirit, soul, and body, so that you can receive everything he wants to give. Again, he could bring peace on this earth like that, whatever that means. He could 
change whatever needs to be changed, heal whatever needs to be healed. He could do everything we think he should do, or he could do everything we think he needs our help with, just like that, with a thought. And he doesn't need our help. And he doesn't need to change things. He's got his own purposes, and his purposes are summed up in you and I. To know him on his terms, not the way our soul wants to, because our soul, knowing God, still wants to maintain control, to do things its own way. But the more our soul receives from spirit, the more our soul relinquishes that drive to do things its own way. Your soul is not lessened or obliterated or absorbed. Your soul becomes what God made it to be free to be joined unto our spirit. Your mind is becoming free. Your will is becoming free. Your emotions are becoming free and healed and unentangled. We're in that process of becoming in our soul what God meant us to be. Your spirit's already there. Spirit's a done deal. The problem is our soul. So we've been talking about experiences with the Holy Spirit. We started talking about baptism. Some really good questions have come up. We're not going to get into doctrinal questions. We're not going to get into why one religious asp- you know, group believes this about baptism and another group believes that about baptism, what it means and who has to do it and if you don't this, that and the other thing we're we're not doing that those things are distractions we've talked a bit before about really you know what we can do to avoid distractions is to keep our focus on what God wants to do in our own personal lives, what he is doing, what he is saying, who he is, how he's revealing himself to us on an individual basis. But as a reminder, we want to look at, step back a little bit and look at even what the scriptures, how the scriptures approach any topic. There are different phases of relationship between God and human beings. And we can categorize the two main approaches as law-based and grace-based. There was pre-law, but we're not going to get distracted by that. But Law-based simply, in its simplicity, means that there are things that we must do in order for God to love us. 
grace-based means that God did those things that must be done. So now he can love us unconditionally, and all we have to do is accept that love. At the basis, that's the main difference between law and grace. Is under law, we have to do something. We have to qualify. Under grace, Jesus qualified for us. So all we have to do is say thank you. So how does that affect our perspective on baptism, spirit baptism, baptism of the Holy Spirit, immersion, however you want to approach that, Passover? The difference between, in the scriptures, the difference between the age of law and the age of grace, unfortunately, the we've gotten it in our heads that the New Testament, the new covenant, the new relationship with God, the grace relationship started between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And that's just not true. It, it would be better to call the, the Old Testament the Old Covenant because it's purely legal-based, law-based. There are promises and foreshadowing of grace, but grace had not been brought into effect. God had not slain that lamb that would pay for all our sins. And that's the key. The the lamb that was slain and then resurrected, that's what changed everything. And that didn't happen in the beginning of Matthew. We have the four apostles, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those are all Old Testament. Right up until they talk about the crucifixion and resurrection of the Son of God. Our relationship with God does not come into play until the resurrection. So when we start using different aspects of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to say that this is what God requires now, we are missing and understandably, because again, it's unfortunate that the scriptures are put together that way. But time-wise, the way they were written, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are historical, looking back. It isn't until the crucifixion, when all sin was paid for, then resurrection, when new life was given, that's what makes the difference. Is not just that sin was paid for, but that new life was given. Eternal life was given at the resurrection. Then we go past the resurrection. That's when we start learning about what our relationship to God is based on grace, based on unconditional love. And that unconditional love is true. It, there is no condition. 
God paid for it. It's like if you owe somebody money and somebody else pays it off and you still think you owe it, you still behave like you owe it, the debt is no longer there. The person who you honestly owed the money to, they're fine. They're satisfied. It's been paid in full by somebody else. But if you still think, wait a minute, I still need to pay that debt. I still owe, I owe somebody, but the debt's been paid off. And then when you go to that person, in this case, Jesus, and say, I now owe you that money. He says, no, I paid it off for everybody. The debt's paid in full. I paid off everybody's debt. The account is closed. Part of our problem, again, our soul wanting to maintain control, is say, no, I still need to be able to have my own say, some control in my life. I can't owe somebody something. I can't just say thank you. And these are all individual issues. We all have temperament issues and belief issues and family issues that keep us from being able to just say thank you. And these are some of the things, some of the reasons God doesn't just touch our souls and restore it. Touch our soul and heal it. Touch our soul and reunite it with our spirit. Because the process does something almost miraculous. Maybe it is miraculous. It, it ingrains an attitude of gratitude. It humbles us. It humbles our soul. Because, again, where's our soul want? To maintain control. Over time, our soul recognizes not only that it doesn't have any control, but it becomes grateful that it doesn't. And it just, it, the joy and the love and the peace and the rest that come from our soul being reunited with our spirit becomes worth the loss that our soul is so afraid of, the loss of control. But it's important when we're talking about any doctrinal, especially doctrinal issue, we one of the things we specifically look at is, is it law-based or is it grace-based? So when different denominations start throwing at one another, according to the scriptures, you have to be baptized this way. Whatever follows is law-based. When you say you have to do this in order to please God or in order to get to the next step or to receive his blessing or an anointing or to to whatever, to belong to this church, all those are law-based, that there's a requirement that you have to fulfill. On the other side, when we talk about, okay, If you want something from God, ask for it. 
because you're in his family. You can go before him, however you want to picture that, before the throne of grace and say, Lord, whatever you want for me, I want it. I know you love me. I know you know where I'm at. So I'm, I, wanna, I want everything you want for me. So we don't want to get caught up in terms or doctrine or comparisons. One thing to remember, too, is so much of us have selected a church or denomination that is compatible with our temperament. Or our history. Or our comfort zone what makes us feel good, rather than does it challenge those things? Is this where God wants us? Are we learning something? Is, is this a, a useful, is this a positive use of our time to be involved in this, in the people that we're involved in? You've all heard about toxic churches, toxic toxic doctrines that make us sick, believing things that make us sick. If it separates you from the rest and the joy and the peace of knowing God, it's toxic. If it says you must qualify for his love in any way, it's toxic. If it if it's in in order to move forward, you have to have a certain experience, that's toxic. That's putting a greater burden and expectation on your back than what God did. That, is, that doctrine is elevating itself above God, saying, I know better than what God does. God says, no, come, all, come unto me, all you who are labor, who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He doesn't say, I'm going to give you more, or I'm going to make sure that the burden is all laid out so you can carry it better. Or even that I'm going to help you carry it. It's, I will give you rest. God knows what we need, and he lets us work through whatever we're working through for our good for our becoming one in him, spirit, soul, and body. So then the other, another aspect of this whole baptism thing is what it is. And again, we use different terms and we use different expectations when really when we look at history, when we look at what God did, for instance, at Passover, when he, you know, um, any, any record of a change where the Holy Spirit made an impact on people that was recorded. God does that all the time in our lives And a lot of times we don't notice it, let alone record it. 
You know, we we talk about, you know, um, revivals, you know, uh, how God expresses himself supernaturally through the Holy Spirit, however you want to say it. That's the thing is it doesn't matter. You can call it whatever you want. If it's bringing you into greater dependence and reliance and rest with God, go for it. Part of this is all about our fear of failure, of missing out, that if we're not where we're supposed to be, that if we're following the wrong belief, the wrong doctrine, we will, there will be hell to pay. We will commit the unpardonable sin. We, God will hold it against us. And these are the kinds of beliefs we want to bring to the surface and ask God about. Maybe you grew up in a, in a religious circumstance where if you didn't get water baptized and you died before you got water baptized, you would go to hell. Just because you believe that doesn't make it so. But it can affect your view of God. Now, my family, multiple generations back, were Quaker. And one of the things they believed was that if you didn't go to church, to fellowship, didn't even call it church, fellowship, on Saturday, you were condemned you had broken fellowship and fellowship with one another was the reflection of fellowship with God so if you didn't show up on Saturday you were excommunicated to, to bring you into a, a state and condition where you would turn around and rejoin the fellowship now that whole mindset told people within that group and those that had left the group, this is what God is like. And we all do this. And it can affect generation upon generation and communities and countries and our governments, how we how we. Uh, see law and how we see one another, how we say see our neighbor and our family. And if we don't take the time to look at what we believe and how it affects us as God draws our attention to these things, we will be affected by the lives we believe. So there were those in my family who did stop going to fellowship on Saturdays. Um, Quakers are very pacifist. And, for instance, my father joined the Army for in World War II. 
willingly, and he was excommunicated. And that affected his relationship with his family the rest of his life. And they knew that. They they felt that punishing him by turning their back on him was the right, loving thing to do. But when they did that, they turned their back on not just my father, but everybody associated with my father. His wife, my mom, and all of us kids. And his grandkids. It affected multiple generations. But they believed that. And they were invested in it. And they it, they had a heart for God. It's what they thought God wanted. Now, fortunately, God is strong enough. And this is where we look at how personal he is. There's nothing that any of us believe that is a surprise to God. Whatever it is, what we all believe error. None of us has a corner on perfect truth. We're never going to get there on our own. It's only through, again, our soul being reunited with our spirit. But as we spend more and more time with him, he reveals our belief systems that we've inherited, that we have gravitated towards because of our temperament, and even about baptism. Okay, this is a list of things that I need to do in order to please God. Attend church, tithe, treat people a certain way only, you know, date people within my, you know, circle. Only have friends within my circle. You know, give to the missionary groups that are approved by my circle. And we do, okay, if I do these things, I am pleasing to God. And and very often, in order to show that those are not true, he lets those things fail. And he will draw us away from those things or let them fail so that he can reveal that his love for us is unconditional. So rather than just fixing us, he brings us through the circumstances and trials on a day-by-day basis. So we don't don't want to get distracted by any doctrine, not just about baptism. And we start looking at it, okay, if this is what the scriptures say about it, is the scriptures talking about the law-based system or the grace-based system? That's one of the places we start. And you can't go back and forth. Once you've become a Christian, you've been born again. And God starts, has that relationship with you, period, end of sentence. Just as if you have not been born again, 
God's relationship with you is going to be as you are dead in your spirit. Now, how he draws us, he's drawing everybody, but we all have a time and a season for him to reveal himself. But that revelation is for his purposes. And we don't want to compare belief systems. Like, again, for, for my family, they were very staunch Quakers. And there were some real issues that really divided the family based on what they believed. But those of us who were born again and knew what unconditional love was, we could accept them, the parts of my family that were so tied to these legalistic practices, we could accept them without accepting their beliefs. We also have to learn to do that with ourselves. Because, you know, yeah, we kind of hide behind, well, yeah, nobody's perfect. You know, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, you're not. You're a saint. You're You're a spirit being. Your problem is is your soul. But that's not really your problem. That's God's problem. It's Your soul is something you're working on. And we're all working on it. And fortunately, God knows, has a time and a season for each one of us to deal with each one of our issues. So thanks for uh, your questions and, and your comments and your feedback about these topics. These are real helpful to to know what the issues are that keep on coming up. So so keep letting me know what um, what your concerns are. You know, just drop me a line at diane at therainersclub.org or through Blog Talk Radio. We'll be getting back together again the same time next week. Until then, thanks for tuning in. This has been Diane Thomas of Rainers Radio. Have a great night. <laughs>